This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars for November 29th, 2022. Okay, I'm still getting set up here. Uh, okay, I got the headphones in. In case you ever hear in the background, very low, on very low volume, I always have safetyfm.com playing, and you should too. This is so I know that I'm on the air or not, because as everyone knows, I do not trust computers. Got a lot of news going on here. We're going to talk a little bit about biological hazards going on here uh, because it's Tuesday, and that's usually the day I pick for that. But also, something caught my eye today with Mercury, so we're going to be talking about Mercury. Not the planet Mercury, but the chemical Mercury. Say, Jim, what do you know about the chemical Mercury? Well, I know a lot about it, believe it or not. So... What are we? Let me... We are Safety Wars. We're usually on five days a week. We're going to be having some pre-recorded programs for the holidays coming on, and I got some family stuff going on like everybody else. We are on from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Safety FM Live. So you can go to safetyfm.com, download the app, and you can listen either on the website or through the app. From 8 to 9. And normally, either after this show, immediately, or in uh, during the next morning, I upload the program to uh, my podcast. No, we started out as a podcast, and occasionally we, we release a podcast uh, on Safety Wars, which is our podcast. So uh, we have programs going all the way back to March 2021. We're having more fun than a health and safety professional should be allowed to have. I know I steal lines from other shows, but it's true. Right? So if you need us for health and safety consulting, you can call us at 845-269-5772 or email me at jim at safetywords.com. We're always improving here. We're updating some websites and things of that nature. So we're going to go right in. What do we talk about? We talk about the news. We have some commentary. And then we usually have one or two topics I do a deep dive in into. Uh, today, it's going to be Mercury, which is going to be the second half of the program. And we're going to talk some other stuff here, OSHA news. And I got a complaint that hey, you're getting into the financial stuff too late. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I used to have a life in politics and I'm still on all the text message lists for politics and go off at all times. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the financial stuff right off the bat. So Dow Jones Industrial finished up today, closing out at 33,852. Russell 2000 at 1836.55. U.S. 10-year Treasury note at 3.737%. Uh, Bitcoin is up, climbing up from that uh, drop there. 16885 Crude oil, 78.77 a barrel. Going on to precious metals. Uh, gold at 1761. Silver at 2151. Platinum at 1026. And palladium up to 1873. So we got that out of the way. Let me mention one other thing. Think of Safety Wars Live, which you're listening to, as your jump on the news for the next day. That's what I like to, because what happens? You listen to all the late night talk shows, especially on the radio and even on the TV. What do you hear? You hear the stuff we talk about here three hours ahead of time, right? Because that stuff goes on at 11 o'clock. Right, so we're feeding a lot of the news programs, especially the ones in the morning, to all the news from the prior day. So tune in here. You'll get it, and you'll also get some other exclusive things here. Who talks about OSHA on the news? Not too many people out there. 
here we have a uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. I, and I normally do not uh, mention uh, company names here, uh, but occasionally it, no, it makes sense for me to do that. So I normally do not mention company names here. Uh, so OSHA uh, cited an Appleton, Wisconsin contractor with a long history of exposing employees to dangerous fall hazards uh, for a $349,000 plus uh, uh, recommended right initial citation. And remember, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, and all these things get negotiated down usually or litigated. So this could go on for years. Who knows how it's going to happen. Uh, so in May and in June, uh, federal inspectors found that found 15 workers at two job sites, right? Uh, for And there were new employees. And the uh, contractor was cited for three willful and two serious violations for failing to provide eye, head, and fall protection and train workers on fall hazards. This is all easily remedied, right? Uh, and this, But this is also something that we see quite often uh, on our jobs here with... Uh, with all this, stuff, I mean, you know, I went through this the other day uh, with, uh, I went through this the other day where we had a contractor that said, oh, I'm the confident person. I know what's going on. Okay, well, then how uh, how you plan on doing X, Y, and Z when you guys see fall protection? Oh, we're going to do this, this, and this. And it's like, no, you're not going to do this, this, and this. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> you know, well, how do you, why not? I said, well, what you're, what you're uh, suggesting is like you're not allowed to do. It's just, you know, it's against either the regulations or anything else. I said your fall protection equipment that you want to use already has the fall indicators deployed, meaning it was used in a fall or, which I doubt, or you're using it as regular rigging and it's going to pull apart and it's already pulled apart. You destroyed all the uh, uh, shock absorbers, all the fall indicators are all shot. You can't use that. Well, how, how, where, where do you learn that? I said, well, did you take a fall protection course? He said, yeah, I took it with my labor organization. I said, well, uh, if they didn't, first of all, I doubt, I'm almost 100% sure that they told you about this stuff. Number one. Number two, if they didn't, you should pretty much, you know, go and complain to someone, or, you know, if they truly did not do that. So this comes to the whole thing is the competent person, actual competent person. Because, you know, in the construction arena, if you're a competent person, you're pretty much run the show when it comes to safety of your employees with a lot of the regulations. The other thing is if you're in a state like New York and you're a competent person and you don't do your job, you can be held criminally and financially liable. Here we have one down. Oath Keepers leader convicted of sedition in landmark January 6th case. A jury, and this just came out a couple hours ago, a jury in federal court in Washington convicted Stuart Rhodes, the leader of a far-right militia and one of his subordinates for a plot to keep Donald Trump in power. And, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag. He, he and other defendants were acquitted on some charges and uh, 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 convicted on some charges. Uh, after three days of deliberation. And as my story goes, I received a phone call on the morning of January 6, 2021 from an old political friend of mine. He said, well, Jimmy, are you going on down to, uh, you know, uh, Washington? Uh, no, I have what's called a job. And I said, are you planning on going down? He says, no. Uh, he said, yeah, I'm planning on going down. I said, well, you do realize that there's going to be a problem down there and you're going to, no, there's going to be a problem down there. I said, first and foremost, if they're having a, a rally down there and everything for this, probably, no, the election's over. It's over. Whether you like it, hate it, what have you. But I said, you're going to, uh, the people down there are going to have a problem because you're going to, it's going to be an issue. You, you know what kind of folks we deal with sometimes. This was in the middle of the mask issue and, the conspiracy theories of the masks and people who had never been involved in politics before, uh, newcomers, and they couldn't handle a loss. So what happened? There was a problem. 
Now these people have other uh, problems. Uh, what I find amazing is that, is that the leadership of this stuff is being held responsible. And there are something like 900 other criminal cases pending here for this. This is from uh, a, another website. Starbucks employee breaks down this uh, article by Rokas Lorena Vicacius and Osteria Osteja. Uh, I can't even pronounce that name. Even me. With all the speech therapy, I cannot pronounce this name. Aka Viketa. Aka Viketa. This is from a website I normally don't go to. Ford Panda, right? But it was just such an intriguing thing. Recently, a Starbucks barista shared a video of themselves having a meltdown as it has become the center of attention on the internet. The clip shows the employees sharing their thoughts on management and rude customers. But what the person said about the uh, her person said about their schedule divided the online community. So what was the complaint? Uh, the barista, who is also a student, said that a 25-hour work week and eight-hour shifts during the weekend were too much for them to handle. Believe me, I empathize with you. All right? Uh, I empathize with you 100% because I worked the 60-hour week and still went to graduate school. And it was tough. It was on one of the, uh, during one of the jobs that I'm going to tell you about in a little while. Uh, and this is one of the things that uh, Starbucks wants to unionize over what the workers see as an unfair, unfair schedule, right? So I don't know what this student, this student is studying or anything, but I tell you what, you know, right? People say, no, half of the people say, well, uh, you know, well, we understand and everything else and you know, empathize. The other half say, well, hey, suck it up. We all went through it. Five years ago, I would have been in the suck it up. We all took care of it. We all did it type of thing. I would have. I would have been in that. I would have definitely been in that camp. Today, not so much because we learn and improve. This is what I learned. A lot of the people, I sucked it up. Believe me, I sucked it up. I had, I put up with Guvno that nobody would put up with. I mean, all my life. I'm not looking for sympathy here. I'm just stating a fact. Uh, you hear some of the stories I go into between the harassment, the gaslighting, bullying in elementary school. Hell, in New Jersey, what I went through was blatantly illegal now, right, with that. And it took me many years to get over. So, And a lot of my peers, they something would happen, and they'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not handling it. Uh, that's unacceptable. However, what, no, what did I say when I, uh, either I sucked it up or if I did say something, well, what do you mean? That's not a problem at all. That was the issue that I, no, you get gaslighted, you get put down and everything else. Well, Hey, you're being too, my, my favorite one, you're being too sensitive. Yeah. But uh, I said, you wouldn't put up with this. Well, I, I'm me. I wouldn't put up with it, but you have to put up with it. I got that from one supervisor at an engineering firm, right? Just the way it is. And uh, eventually when I said, you know what? Put my foot down, things turned around for me a lot. Well, hey, this is not acceptable. I'm not going to be dealing with this. I suspect that this post here from the uh, Starbucks uh, employee, uh, there's more to it behind here, behind here. And, you know, uh, it's one of those things, Starbucks is a good or, no, I like all workplaces. Some good, some bad. I'm going to say this much. If they don't like working there, they shouldn't continue to work there uh, with that. And why would you put it up on the Internet? Why am I even talking about it? I don't know. I'm going to get myself into trouble here. And we're going to go to break real quick here. I got to get something to drink. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Pozel at 845-269-5772. 
Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. And I'm back there. So last uh, last night, and I, this is one of those cases where I'm going to mention, and I mentioned it last time. I probably last story. I should probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, here we have a. Uh, I'm going to mention it this time. A Walmart because I talked about the story last night. A Walmart employee who survived last week's mass shooting at its store in Virginia has filed a $50 million lawsuit against the company for allegedly continuing to employ the shooter or store, uh, store supervisor who had known propensities for violence, threats, and strange behaviors. I don't know if that's true or not, and everyone's innocent until proven guilty. And unfortunately, in this case, the shooter is dead, and I'm not even going to mention his name. Uh, but basically, this is what it comes down to. According to the lawsuit, and I'm sure there's going to be a huge, uh, this is not the only one, this is going to be a huge investigation, right? Was this person had personal vendettas, again, according to the lawsuit, I don't know if it's true or not, uh, had personal vendettas against several Walmart employees and kept a kill list of potential targets, the lawsuit states that the plaintiff submitted a formal complaint on Walmart Global Ethics Statement Form indicating that the person had bizarrely and inappropriately commented on the person on the plaintiff's age. So it was basically, if this statement is correct in here, and they have the statement, I'm not going to mention it because it is pretty offensive. Uh, you know, uh, no. Was that ever followed up? Also complained about her financial status and her physical appearance and called her a very a not nice name under his breath. And this is a quote. Despite Mr. Blah, 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 long-standing pattern of disturbing and threatening behavior, Walmart knew or should have known about blah, 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 disturbing and threatening behavior, but failed to terminate, blah, blah, blah. Restrict his access to common areas, conduct a thorough background investigation, or subject him to a mental health examination. All right, we talked about that last night. Where in the refining industry, in short, that I spent half of my career in, oil refining, refining oil, uh, ter chemical terminals, oil terminals, pharmaceuticals, things of that nature, a lot of them now have psychological investigation, psychological exams before they'll hire you or if you're a contractor before they'll even let you onto the project, onto the site. The other thing is, uh, you they, no, you have employees out there making threats, you, uh, and then especially in the construction field, oh, well, that's, hey, that's normal. They make threats, blah, 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 blah. They don't get rid of them. Well, now... If this is true, by the way, this is not the first time I've heard of situations like this. I talked to you last night about one of my clients, a safety professional, not mine, told someone to put on a hard hat and uh, fall protection, and they were beaten with their own hard hat into submission and spent a week in the hospital. Right? Again, uh, I mean, I've been on projects. Uh, one of my uh, people got into a thing uh, earlier this year. Where they, uh, uh, where uh, Roofer had threatened the client, not fired, not done anything about it, not the first time, multiple times this has happened. So, again, not firing people who have these issues, not managing them. Your organization doesn't manage them. You got to take note to it, whether it's anywhere in this organization or another one. Uh, I know of a family member who uh, had uh, uh, the, uh, someone at their organization threatened to blow the place up. They had that guy out of there in about eight hours because he made the thing at night, and in the next morning, guess what? Everything was shut off, all of his access control and everything. Right? That's <laughs> It took him about eight hours to do it because it happened at night. But anyway, 
uh, and they had, had to get the feds involved. They got uh, security, uh, high-end security companies involved and everything else. And uh, the guy ended up uh, getting fired on the spot just for making a threat like that. Does your workplace allow people to work there that are like that? What can you do about it? Okay, you can report it and record. Uh, it's also uh, could be, and I'm not going to say yes or no, a violation in the general duty clause because OSHA does not have like a standard for this. But guess what? If you uh, don't, if you have employee complaints and everything else, and this is obviously a workplace hazard, guess what? And it gets included, and we talked about that, I believe, last week. All this stuff gets included in the statistics. These are all workplace uh, 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 injuries here. These are all OSHA recordables. Fatalities in the workplace. Homicides are one of the leading uh, uh, workplace hazards out there. Again, what's your organization doing about it? We can help you out on that. Uh, Safety FM, we have uh, situational awareness trainers, me and uh, another uh, person here, our situational awareness trainers. We deal with workplace violence and helping companies manage their people who uh, do this kind of stuff, right? Here is a story. There is an organization out there now uh, that has taken the lead in promoting an employee bill of rights to protect employees from woke ideology in the workplace. Uh, the company hosts a job board that connects like-minded employees to companies across the country. Well, this is, uh, I don't know. If you're going to be against people's civil rights, why advertise? Right? Uh, very controversial thing, but, uh, you know, this is a guide. Some of the comments on here is a guide to give businesses uh, to and who to avoid, right, with this. I don't know. It's mixed. Uh, it's a mixed balloon. There's some, no, so we've had a lot of diversity and inclusion, equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion policies by a lot of companies out there. There's bound to be a backlash of against it or people against it. I don't know. I don't go one way or the other on this one, to be honest with you. But uh, I guess every, so what, I forget which law, thermodynamics, every action you know, has an equal and opposite reaction. So something to think about here. We're going to talk about Biological hazards here. So we have, right, so the World Health Organization, let's talk about monkeypox. So this reminds me, this story of back, uh, well, I'm not that old, obviously, 1918, 1919, where the Spanish flu, uh, how do we get that name? The Spanish flu. It was a worldwide flu. It started, believe it or not, believed in Kansas. Uh, yes, in the United States, but it spread to Europe because uh, during World War I and in those close quarters, non-hygienic uh, uh, battlefields and all through these transportation hubs. I mean, if you look at uh, early 1900s New York City and the sanitation stuff going on there. I mean, there was uh, photos on the internet. I mean, just disgusting. You could see where uh, a flu would spread. But where was it really reported on was Spain, right, during World War One. So, therefore, they got whacked with the Spanish flu name. And that, oh, well, it really didn't originate there. So here we have uh, the same thing with uh, Lyme disease, right? Lyme, Connecticut. Well, did it originate there? No, that's where it was like first described and everything. So they called it Lyme disease. Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Again, same deal. Uh, but here we go. The World Health Organization announced on uh, Monday, that's yesterday, that they don't like the word monkeypox. We're not going to call it. So we're going to call it mpox, Right? And they're going to phase out the monkeypox. And basically, it's uh, people are saying that monkeypox, which was named in 1970, 
After, uh, no, uh, it was discovered in 1960 in captive monkeys. By the 1970, the virus uh, was called monkeypox. Uh, no, the origin is unknown, the virus. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the name's stuck, and now the stigma's stuck. Now, who wants to say, well, I got monkeypox, right, with that? So they wanted to, rather than destigmatize it, call it mpox. I don't know if it's... Uh, uh, important or not. I got a funny story with that, but you know, it's in the news. I have a funny story. I was uh, in my, uh, taking my mother who's elderly to the doctor. And there was a person more elderly than my mother in there who had uh, severe mobility issues. One of, and they're asking her, uh, they're filling out a questionnaire in there. And the nurse is asking her in the waiting room, do you have any, have you ever been exposed to monkeypox recently? And I'm looking at it, I'm like, really? You're going to go through a questionnaire like this? Because we all know how monkeypox uh, passes is through sexual contact usually or some type of sexual context. You're really going to do this? Really? So much for HIPAA violations here. So, uh, so this is out of New York. So in my area, they were actually have mobile, uh, monkeypox or mpox, uh, vaccination, uh, trailers. And, uh, they were giving out more than 70 per day in New York city at the height of this thing uh, a couple of months ago. Now they're doing three per day. So now uh, they feel that they got as no, not either attention went down and everything and stopped uh, with the monkeypox mobile or the mpox mobile. Now the next one, I'm going to give a warning on here. All right. Because some of this is opinion. Other people's opinion, my opinion, and I'll tell you that. So I think everybody here knows 2001, I was involved in the anthrax cleanups at NBC and CVS. I can't really go into it, but after I got done with the cleanups or during, I said, you know what? I really don't trust the Centers for Disease Control for managing an emergency do great job. They do a phenomenal job with research and all the other data that they come out with. But I was less than impressed with, uh, less than impressed with the way that a organization managed the anthrax cleanups. And uh, the people who were there today still have, who went through this, still have uh, PTSD and things of that nature. I mean, that's, I think, all on the public record. Uh, people who are involved with this with a level of frustration. And this did not only include CVS or NBC, it also include the uh, Hamilton, New Jersey Post Office and the uh, uh, Hart Senate Office Building, where I run into people all the time. Oh, yeah, we're still freaked out. We know about the mail and opening the mail and everything else. So... When this all hit, right, and one of the reasons why we have safety wars is to alert people to all this stuff with, uh, uh, is to alert uh, people and to make people aware and give people information so they can better protect themselves and not have to rely on others to do that. That's one of our things. We do that especially during uh, Disaster Preparation Month in September. So... This is from the Wall Street uh, Journal. We have Alyssa Finley who says, uh, no, so we know Anthony Fauci is giving, gave his last, final press conference last week as the head of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, uh, post he's held since 1984. And now he gave an okay press conference, right? And he defended himself with a lot of stuff where he had, no. Basically, moving target and new information all the time. And there was a lot of misinformation out there and wild theories. I get all of that. But what happened was the lasting legacy is going to be when the next pandemic hits, the next uh, emergency hits, are you actually going to trust the government? 
It's a question you have to ask. Is you have to answer on a certain level too, especially if you're a safety professional. Because we lost a lot of credibility. We lost a lot of political capital, meaning inside our organizations, trying to come up uh, with uh, plans on how to manage COVID and to manage conflicting information from the government on this stuff because this is what happened, and I complained about it, right? We've been doing this for years, 30 years. We're experts here. Some of us all more. I'm not the most experienced guy out there. I'm not the smartest guy or anything else out there. Never said I was. But us as a field, we have, since the 1930s, experience on respiratory protection, biological safety, and everything else. So here's the question, and I'll ask again. If you are sick, who are you going to go to? Are you going to go to a safety professional? Or are you going to go to a doctor, a medical doctor, doctor of osteopathic medicine, a qualified medical, other qualified medical professional? This is a question that we have to ask ourselves. Or are you you're going to go to, you're obviously, if you're sick, you're going to go to a medical professional qualified person. Now, here's the question. If you are going to go, if you want to protect yourself through, with biological safety, who are you going to go to? Are you going to go to a medical doctor? Or are you going to go to a health and safety professional, certified industrial hygienist, someone like that? Someone qualified. Someone like me is maybe someone not like me. I don't know. This is a question now that is really at the forefront. What, where do people go to get their information on COVID? They went to social media. They went to dubious websites. And let's be fair. Let's try to see it from the other point of view. You're Dr. Fauci and you have to counteract this stuff. You're a safety professional, and you know that some of that information released by the government is not correct. Could be better, could be better communicated, better managed, everything else. Now you're forced to, because this is now becomes the standard of care that you're going to uh, that you're going to uh, uh, have to go by if there's any litigation. Well, the government said X, Y, and Z. We went in, there was an article last week, and we couldn't be on the air a couple of days last week, where somebody went out there, and uh, there's a lawsuit out there where uh, people had to testify, and it was, well, we didn't make these recommendations. They're actually, uh, were such a, these, we didn't say you had to do this. We just recommended it. Well, guess what? Coming from the head, somebody like Dr. Fauci, a recommendation is a requirement at a certain point. That's how health and a lot of times health and safety law comes out, right? Where, well, we recommend they do X, Y, and Z. Well, why are we, no, why am I responsible? I told the guy to wear a hard hat. Guy refuses to wear a hard hat. Told the company to uh, train their people on fall protection. They refuse to do fall protection. They refuse to do this, right? And so recommendation is more or less like an order with something. All right? I'm not an attorney. I don't plan to uh, be practicing law here. They'll consult an attorney with this stuff. So going on into the swamp for a second here. So in case you don't know, the Republicans have won the House for the next uh, congressional session. And Anthony Fauci is set to retire from public office. So now there's going to be a huge investigation of this by the Republicans, of everything that went down. And it's not only with laptops and computers and things of that nature. It's with this. What are we doing here? The Republicans are running a big risk of politicizing COVID further with this. If they go out 
uh, you know, and if they go out and they start criticizing Fauci, especially with some of these uh, conspiracy theory type things that are out there, that a lot of a lot of the base, and it goes on both sides. I know liberals who are very liberal who want have are running on conspiracy theories here uh, with this whole thing. Got to tread lightly here uh, with this. But it's you know you know there's now name calling all this other stuff. I think that this we run the danger of further dividing the country here. I think that they should at a certain point just let this stuff drop, right? And let it be and worry about the future. Now, if they want to have hearings to find out what went wrong and how we can learn and improve, hey, we're all for that. But um, to go and again relive the past keep reliving the past with this stuff uh, especially when there's only a few senators and few congress persons that are qualified to even go into all this stuff do the questioning right i don't know i think that we're headed toward very bad times here unfortunately you are listening to safety wars tomorrow's safety today in the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Safety Wars is streaming now. Okay, so. I have another personal story here. A woman is suing a company that makes uh, mac and cheese and a prepackaged container. Pardon me. I got the sniffles. I still have the after effects of COVID here three weeks later. Woman is suing a mac and cheese uh, manufacturer, maker, uh, whatever we're going to call it, because her microwavable container, right, a styrofoam cup, they put mac and cheese in there, you throw it in the microwave. Uh, you're going to love this one. She sues after her microwavable macaroni takes more than three and a half minutes. So she followed the instructions. It was not eligible to be eaten in three and a half minutes. And she is now suing. And uh, Amanda, uh, sorry, I mentioned her name, is demanding answers. The only kind cash can give, but she's keeping it classy with a class action lawsuit. Wow. This, so how much is she seeking? Five million bucks because they wasted her time. Wow, I might join in on that. But, uh, Again, ridiculousness on a certain level. She, must, she may win. She may get a settlement out of this. Lifetime supply of mac and cheese. My daughter would probably want in on that. Uh, I know a guy, true story, uh, the father of a friend of mine. He, uh, so you know on these, uh, what we used to call TV dinners or all these microwavable dinners and everything, says remove from packaging. Well, they put that on there because of him and a couple of other people back in the 1970s. They put the micro, uh, the TV dinners in the right. They were in foil. They put them in. Uh, they came in 
cardboard boxes. They put the whole thing in the microwave. I'm not the microwave, the oven. And this dude burned down his kitchen. And the maker of these dinners actually had to, they settled out of court and he got a new kitchen out of it. And after that, that's why it says on there, remove from packaging, believe it or not. Was that, you know, this guy, and he, you know, and he brags about it. Oh, they got me such and such a company got me a whole, you know, new kitchen back in the day. And it's like, man, if I wasn't, uh, you know, if that happened to me, I don't think I'd be bragging about it. Right. Uh, he was a very literal guy. We'll leave it at that. Oh, uh, what's going on to the secret service. Right. And where in, uh, Nantucket. Five vehicles caught on fire in a parking lot. wonder if they were electric vehicles uh, with that. I, I don't know. It's not saying. Weird, man. China's social credit score is about to evolve as the West starts to implement some of its features. So apparently there's uh, what's going on in the conspiracy theory uh, area is that uh, the social credit score that's been widely publicized in China is now coming to the West uh, in some official capacity. We already know that that's already in a lot of social media platforms, right? And in our final thing, U.S. to auction almost 1 million acres of Alaskan coast for oil drilling. So uh, the Biden administration is going to be auctioning as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, auctioning off a whole bunch of drilling uh, areas off Alaska, Southeast Coast. But this is what the problem is. All right. Uh, Some of the commentary out there is that the royalties are very, very high, and that may impede oil exploration here for off the coast. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll be going on. Uh, uh, increasing the supply of oil in this country is uh, right a very good, uh, very good idea, right? Uh, in my opinion, right? Increasing the get prices of oil down, right? Regular supply and demand thing and everything else, uh, because right now we're paying uh, no uh, close to four dollars a gallon in here in New York and New Jersey for. Uh, gasoline, regular gasoline, 87 octane. And it's causing a lot of problems out there. People are running up. Don't No, it's part of their budget. People are being very selective on where they drive. I've always been very selective on where I drive, when I drive and everything else. Uh, again, more stress into the system. We're going to talk now And this is, we can consider this a Safety Wars exclusive. We're going to have the discussion on mercury and specifically mercury vapor. I'm getting at the safety data sheet for mercury. Let's see how this goes. So mercury was in the news three days this week. Uh, three times this week, and it's only Tuesday. So this is a bizarre story here, but it's not the first time I've heard of something like this. I've heard about this uh, uh, poisoning from beauty creams or makeup. So let's talk about this. The first widely publicized uh type of poisoning similar to this was memorialized in the Alice in Wonderland books. I forget who wrote them, but it was uh, with the Mad Hatter because they used to have hats that they used to color with mercury. And there used to be a, a very old expression, as mad as a hatter, right? Because of central nervous system damage from mercury. If you go back in antiquity, right, lead and mercury poisoning were, were documented for a long, long time. So here we have this one, right? Mother loses peripheral vision from apparent exposure to mercury and beauty creams. 
uh, toxic levels in her home, but family at risk, say experts. So this is a uh, uh, woman in Minnesota who inadvertently put her entire household at risk of mercury poisoning, most likely from using beauty creams containing high levels of toxic material. And this is in uh, Minnesota and everything else. Let's talk about mercury. Mercury used to be very ubiquitous, meaning everywhere, two generations ago. I know my father said when he was in high school, mercury was all, you know, they had mercury. They used to play with mercury. Mercury is slightly, uh, right, is a liquid metal, uh, some people call it. It has many different names, quicksilver, uh, colloidal mercury, uh, hydrogerium, right, quicksilver, a lot of different names out there. But it's slightly corrosive then. People used to play with it with their hands because it's pretty cool if you've ever handled mercury. You play with it in your hands and everything and very difficult to clean up. But the main problem with mercury, and if you're a safety professional given training on mercury, by the way, let me back up. Uh, I was hired in August 1998 to help manage the Grand Street Mercury cleanup for General Electric in Hoboken, New Jersey. I did that for six years. So I know a lot about mercury, right? Clean up, cleanups and everything else. And before that, I did a uh, uh, mercury cleanup in Hawthorne, New Jersey, the Merck Calgon facility. So uh, I'm very familiar with mercury and its properties and everything else. So if you're a safety professional or anybody given training or even an information with mercury out there, the first thing that you need to say is this mercury in mercury vapor is odorless you can't smell it can't taste it you can only use uh uh what do you call air monitoring equipment to go and measure mercury all right that's the way it is and in warm environments well, my experience is once you get above 50 degrees surface area, I'm sorry, surface temperature, mercury vapor, mercury gives off a hell of a lot of vapor, but you still need to do air monitoring with it. And uh, one plant facility I was in was a mercury re uh, recycler about a year and a half ago. And, oh, yeah, we have great uh, mercury uh, containment here. I said, oh, yeah, is that your mercury vapor? Yeah, you hit sample. Guess what? We were getting mercury readings uh, in their lunchroom. We were, we were given the training. Uh, so this is what the, the issue is, is with mercury. Uh, you can't smell it. You can only measure it. And uh, if you're going to use re uh, respiratory protection, there's special respirators for that with a indicator on there, a color metric indicator. Uh, they were the first ones that I know of. Uh, that had a color metric indicator, like a lot of uh, things have nowadays for organic vapors and some other stuff. So, the, here I have an SDS here, and here you go. The chemical is uh, considered hazardous by the hazard communication standard. It is acutely in, an acute inhalation hazard, uh, acute reproductive hazard, and... Uh, specific target organs are the kidneys and the central nervous system. So uh, some of the hazard statements with it, fatal if inhaled, you've got to have a very high exposure to mercury to right, have a fatal exposure to it. But let's remember there are a couple of, uh, uh, now there is another form of mercury, methyl mercury, which is also known as organic mercury, where one or two drops could kill you. There's a very famous case where a woman got splashed, a couple of drops of uh, organic mercury went through her skin and it killed her. It was a horrible, painful death that she went through. So it causes damage to organs through prolonged or repeated exposure. So, <coughs> pardon me. So, what's the general advice off the SDS, right? Uh, 
How do you prevent exposure? Obtain special instructions before use. Yeah, well, you need training. And if you are a safety professional, give it to you in, in writing that mercury vapor is odorless because you're going to hear that. Well, I don't smell it, so therefore it's safe. The other thing you're going to hear is, well, it's in nature, and therefore it's safe because it's natural mercury versus industrial mercury. You're going to hear that too. Do not breathe dust, fume, and gas. Okay, wear respiratory protection and everything else. If exposed, right, get medical attention or advice. I'm going to tell you this. Mercury, if you get it in your house, and where, where would a source in a house be? Old-fashioned uh, mercury switch and a thermostat, like heating thermostat is one. A switch in an industrial environment, electrical switch, mercury switches. All right? Uh, how do you clean up mercury? Here's the question for you. You need... Uh, there's a couple of things, some type of a vacuum, and there is a mercury vacuum where it's a very high-pressured, a high-horsepower vacuum, and because mercury is very heavy, and what it does is it has a diversion on it, a little a trap, that mercury, as it runs down into the uh, vacuum, it collects in a little trap at the bottom, and then you're able to go out and recycle that. Right, But let's remember something else. Mercury is readily absorbed by porous materials. What kind of porous materials? Meaning concrete is a porous building material. Mortar, concrete blocks or cinder blocks, terracotta blocks if you're from uh, the New Jersey area, uh, wood, uh, certain plastics, all absorb mercury. So guess what? If it absorbs mercury, chances are you're going to have to throw that out. And that's not going to go to any normal landfill. That has to be tested, and they run a special TCLP analysis on it, only at uh, special labs. Usually that analysis equipment is all done. Uh, that's dedicated equipment because once it gets mercury in it, guess what? You can throw it in the garbage, right, pretty much. You know, it's got to be only used for mercury. All right, and then it gets tested, and if it's above a certain level, it gets sent out as hazardous material, uh, and or even if it doesn't, it normally gets disposed of in a secure landfill with that. What are the exposure levels for this? So as a review, there are usually in the United States three different exposure levels that we go by. Uh, the ACGIH, American Congress, Conference, I'm sorry, of governmental industrial hygienists. They have a threshold limit value. You also have an OSHA PEL and a NIOSH, IDLH, or NREL, NIOSH, National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, a division for the Centers of the for Disease Centers of the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. Can't talk. So uh, they usually with a hazardous waste cleanup, all right, uh, the, uh, uh, the, you go by the lowest exposure limit, right? And we're, in this case, it's going to be the ACGIH threshold limit value, which is based on an eight-hour uh, uh, time-weighted average. And they put it at, at 0.025 milligrams per meter cubed. They put it as. So when you run your analysis, that's basically what you're going to use. Now, the uh, NIOSH REL is set at 0.05 milligrams per meter cubed, so, or 50 micrograms per meter cubed. So normally, the, what I go by is by the lower published exposure limit, and OSHA does not have a, uh, it has a ceiling limit on here. It's not clear on this SDS here. A 0.1 milligrams per meter cube, which is the same as NIOSH, a 0.1 milligrams per meter cube, or the IDLH is immediately dangerous to life and health, of 10 milligrams per meter cube. You can look this up on the SDS. So, looking into this, you know, mercury is extremely hazardous, uh, right, with this, and... I just wanted to point out it's odor. The main hazard, as I can see it, is is odorless and colorless on this. 
So you're being exposed and you don't even realize you're being exposed to this. And the other thing is, is that the equipment often has a lot, depending on the equipment you're using, may have a lot of interferences with that, especially if you're going to be using a gold, a uh, piece of equipment with a gold film, as opposed to a, now this is real time, uh, as opposed to a UV light, right? Where you're measuring absorbance. One of the uh, other, no, outside the United States, where are, uh, Rewards Mercury uh, found. Well, I got a phone call from about two years ago from one of my friends that said he had a friend overseas that was being offered mercury, uh, offered a certain rock that had mercury in it. And I looked at it, it was a beautiful looking rock, and I said, don't, don't, don't take it. Right, so it's still mined in a lot of countries, uh, specific uh, m- no mining, right? Uh, even though it's been banned in a lot of countries, Still happens. Where else is it? It's associated with gold mining, right? So, uh, for whatever reason, mercury and gold are often found together. Uh, it's used in processing, uh, 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 processing uh, gold, right? And that is associated with it. Uh, often, what happens is when they're smelting gold. Right, to get it from the ore to actual uh, what you see in the metal, they burn off the mercury and mercury is released right, inadvertently. Again, they don't feel that there is an issue because they're not smelling it. Here, I, there's a story in Cameroon, out of Cameroon last week, right, uh, where uh, 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 hundreds of deaths have occurred at mining sites in Cameroon, uh, because and oh, since 2015, because of mercury poisoning, again, problem. Right, UN uh, also issued last week a call for the ban of mercury trade and its use in gold mining. Small scale gold mining is the key driver of global mercury demand. Right, so I'm not exactly sure where it comes into here with this, but uh, I know that. Discovery did a program on this. We're winding off to the end. I don't know how many minutes we have. I lost track of time. So, so two minutes, so basically one minute left. I hope that this has been helpful at all. We gave you the news for tomorrow today. Uh, we talked about mercury. If you have a mercury issue, please give us a call, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywards.com, and we will go and we will help you out on that mercury situation. Like I said, I've had extensive experience with it. Uh, not something you really want to mess with. Uh, mercury. Again, what's the main hazard? It's odorless. So you don't know you're being exposed to it. And as always, with all hazardous materials, don't get them in you. Don't get them on you. And don't bring them home. And if you bring them home, chances are someone like me is not going to want to sign off that your house is cleaned up. So they're going to likely going to be demolishing things. So I hope to see you back tomorrow for Safety Wars Live. And we're going to close it out right now. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.